I heard about this baby boy who came to earth to bring us joy and I just want to sing this song for you it goes like this the fourth the fifth the minor fall and the major lift with every breath I'm singing hallelujah 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 child they search the end to find a place for you were coming soon there was no room for them to stay so in a manger filled with hay God's only son was born oh hallelujah 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 sins would drive the nails in you that rugged cross was my cross too still every breath you drew was
last chorus. Hallelujah. 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 How precious will it be that day when we stand before his throne and we all sing together? Okay, I invite you to take your hymn book once again. Turn with me to hymn number 119. 119, while shepherds watch their flocks. <coughs> <coughs> While shepherds watch their flock by night, all seated on the ground, the angel of the Lord came down and glory shone around, and glory shone around. Fear not, change your mind I have just this morning <laughs> uh -oh. we, we got a little late start in collecting uh, a gift for the pastors this year I was planning to give it next Sunday after Christmas because they could buy Christmas che trees cheap and so on but uh, 
They're both here this morning. I'm going to ask Pastor Tony if he'll come up with us. Join us <laughs> on the stage. I guess you can change your mind. Once I guess once in a while. <laughs> like I said, we got a late start this year. It was my fault, I guess. It just uh, somebody made the distance or the time between Thanksgiving and Christmas a little shorter this year. Somehow or another, I don't know who did it. But, yeah. <laughs> but if you do want to donate, we was going to plan to do this next Sunday. But if you do want to donate, you have all week to do that. So help yourself. It's just a little token of appreciation for our pastors that we do every year, and we want to thank them, heartily thank them, not only with the monetary gift, but from our hearts for the ministry they do among us this year. They did among us this year. Their faithful ministry is very much appreciated. So we want to thank you both for your ministry, and the Lord bless you as you continue to minister among us. Well, thank you, Leonard. So I have a envelope for Pastor Bob <laughs> and one Thank for you. Pastor Tony. Uh -huh. Tony, you have a wonderful trip. <laughs> and I believe the reason for the change of plans was is because Pastor Tony and Sarah are actually leaving after the service this morning uh, for Bolivia. And they're going to spend the uh, holiday season down uh, there, so um, it was good, I suppose, to have made those change of plans so uh, Pastor Tony could be here. But we do thank you, all of you, for uh, your support over this past year. Uh, you know, back in October, uh, I was looking on my calendar, and I actually came here on, in October, uh, 1985. Now, if you do the math, that's 30 years. It's a long time. So I thank you for being very patient and tolerant with me over all of those years. It is good to be able to come together this morning, and it's always good to be able to read and hear the Christmas story. So I begin this morning by turning to Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 2, and I want to look at the Christmas story from Luke's perspective. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. Look with me, please, if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. And Dr. Luke, he says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. There's a word that we find repeated uh, through the Christmas story. And it's the word glory. 
I didn't sit down and count the number of times that the word glory was used, but it's repeatedly found in this story. John Piper, great theologian and pastor, he said this about that word. He said it's almost impossible to define. It's almost impossible to define the word glory. And then he goes on to illustrate it much like the word beauty. And he compares that with the word basketball. He says now to define basketball, that's a pretty easy task. A basketball is round. A basketball is made of leather. A basketball can be dribbled and bounced and shot into a hoop. But how do you define beauty? Except you know it when you see it. My wife and I, we were down in Williamsburg a couple weeks ago, and uh, we were going into a restaurant called Carabas. And as we were going into the restaurant, it was drizzling, but just as we were approaching the restaurant, the sun came out. And you know what happens when you combine drizzle and sun. You get a rainbow. And we look back, and here was this gorgeous, brilliant rainbow in the sky. And you could see end to end. And then in the background, faded, was a second one. Now, I don't exactly know how to define beauty, but when I see it, I know it. Maybe it's that sunset. Maybe it's a full moon in a cloudless night. It's hard to grasp what glory means. Some have tried. They've used words like dignity, honor, worship, praise. And so this is God's glory. Well, then how do we give God glory? Well, someone said that glory is the essence of the nature of God. And to give God glory, we recognize that essence. We recognize his attributes. We recognize that God is a holy God, that God is a faithful God, God is a loving God, a majestic God, a powerful God, a merciful God, a sovereign God, an omniscient God. And when we recognize that and we acknowledge that, we're giving God glory that is due his name. The Bible says that the heavens, they declare God's glory. They shout, they proclaim the very glory of God. Yes, it might be hard to define, but we know it when we see it. The shepherds, it says, they were out in the field one night. And they saw the glory of God. The glory of the Lord shone around them. And it says they were terrified. Someone described the event this way. It was a very glorious and extraordinary light that shone with surprising luster and brilliance. We don't know exactly what they saw, but the Bible says it was the glory of God. Back in the Old Testament, we read of God's glory. Uh, they had a tabernacle. It was a temporary dwelling that they would take from place to place. And as they did, the glory, the Bible said, would, would fill that tabernacle. Later, the tabernacle was replaced by the temple. And in that temple, the Bible says it was, it was the Shekinah glory that filled the holy of holies. These shepherds, they saw something that night. They saw God's glory. 
And it's interesting because back in the Old Testament, it did speak of glory from time and time after time. But then Israel's sin became so bad, so terrible, that Ezekiel tells us that the glory of the Lord went up from within the city. And through the whole rest of the Old Testament era, the glory did not return to Israel. Then we have silent years between the Old and New Testament. 400 silent years. But all of that changes when we come to Luke chapter 2. Because God once again comes to his people. God's glory once again comes to Judah. To a very unlikely group. If you listen carefully to the children, it spoke of the shepherds as a very unlikely group to have received this message from the angels. The shepherds, they're out in the field one night, and all of a sudden, the glory of the Lord shines around them. These shepherds had a pretty bad reputation. Uh, They were a despised class of people. But as I read one commentary this week, uh, this commentator thought that they probably were a pious, maybe a devout group, even though from the lower uh, uh, social class, But maybe they were really looking for Messiah. Maybe they really were hoping that that somehow they might witness the coming of Jesus. They were out in the field. It says it was nearby, that is, close to Bethlehem in this town of David. And then the angel comes. The angel being God's messenger. And God sends this message with this angel. The good news that Messiah has indeed come the christ the anointed one the savior no not one who is going to deliver them from roman oppression but a savior who would come to deliver them from sin and from death and then the angel says to the shepherds and this is a sign this is how you will discover who he is He will be wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. The sign is really the lying in the manger. The lying in that feeding trough. Because babies were wrapped in swaddling clothes back in those days. That wasn't uncommon. But to find a child, an infant, lying in a feeding box would be quite unique. And then this great company of angels... They show up singing glory in excelsis Deo, which is Latin, which means glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. Glory surrounded the birth of Jesus. Glory shone that night. The angels sing of that glory. And then... Further on down in Luke chapter 2, we have the story of an old man by the name of Simeon. Simeon, he also saw this same glory. It wasn't out in a field. It wasn't out somewhere outside the city. He was actually in a temple. Jump down to these verses with me at verse 25. When we read about God again stepping down out of heaven... And coming to his temple in Jerusalem. Remember I said in the Old Testament, 
That glory of God had departed. But now it's returned during this Christmas story. Look at verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. Uh, He was righteous and he was devout. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that, that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the, peop- when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do with him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people, Israel. Simeon was an older gentleman, and the Holy Spirit revealed to him that someday he would see Messiah and that he would not die until he did. And Simeon waited and he waited and he waited. The Bible says he waited for the consolation of Israel, which is the comfort that the Messiah would bring to Israel. Remember, Israel was under Roman oppression at this time. And one of the things they were waiting for was a Savior, a Messiah, a Deliverer, who might come and relieve them of that oppression. You know, it's interesting because Israel, during days of depression, had more of an intensity, a longing for the coming of Messiah. Much like today, we live in a world filled with great terror and chaos, and it drives Christians to long for the coming of Jesus once again. This was Simeon under Roman oppression, and he he longed for the Messiah, and he was promised, promised by the Holy Spirit that that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. And so, he goes to the temple. There in the temple, the Bible says that Joseph and Mary, they came with their son, Jesus. This was 40 days after his birth. The law required that Mary be purified, and then they would bring their son to the temple to be dedicated. Much like we do in the church today. We dedicate children uh, when they're young. Uh, parents come and they present their children to the Lord that God might come and use them and, 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 and help them to raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We do the same dedication uh, in our church today based upon verses such as these. So Joseph and Mary, they come to the temple. And guess who's there? There's Simeon. Simeon, I suppose, had been coming to the temple time and time again, but on this day, in walks these new parents holding Jesus. And Simeon knew 
somehow the Spirit of God was able to direct Simeon to this child. And he takes Jesus into his arms in verse 28. And he cries out, praising God, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. In other words, I've seen Messiah. I now can die in peace. We call this hymn the uh, Nunc Dimittis. Again, another Latin word like in excelsis Deo, meaning now dismiss. Now I'm ready to be dismissed. Now I'm ready to die. I have seen Messiah. Simeon says, his eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes, verse 30, have seen your salvation, God. The salvation that would be brought into the world through this child. The Bible says that Jesus came to save his people from their sins. Not just the Jewish people. Because if you notice the words of what I've been reading, it's not just the Jewish nation. It's not that it's the Israelites that somehow have a lock on salvation, but all people, not just for one nation, but for all the lost. You will name him Jesus because he will save people from their sins. That's what the angel told Joseph. He says this child is going to be a light for revelation to their Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. I believe this is a parallel structure saying pretty much the same thing. That God is going to save Gentiles and God is going to save Jews alike and in the same way. Oh, it's true. The Jews are the beloved people of God. They are a chosen race. But God always meant in his plans to include the Gentiles. And here we read of that plan that Jesus will be a light to the Gentiles and glory to the nation of Israel. This is good news, the angel said. This is good news. Good news of great joy that will be for all people. All people. And so today, all people alike, Jews and Gentiles throughout the world, all come to Jesus the same way. All come to God the same way through Jesus. You see, the Bible says that Jesus came to save his people from their sins. That Jesus died on an old rugged cross. And on that cross, he shed his blood so that mankind might be able to receive the forgiveness of sins. The greatest need, and I've said this before, of mankind today is the need of forgiveness. The need to be forgiven of their sins. Because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Therefore, we need to be forgiven of our sins so that we might be given eternal life. John says it this way, and it's interesting because the Apostle John does not mention the birth of Jesus except as he uses these words. He says in John chapter 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, 
and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You see, the same, but distinct. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh. God became flesh. God stepped out of heaven and entered into our world in the person of Jesus Christ so that he would not only be born, but that he was able then to die. And it's the death of Jesus on the cross that brings salvation to mankind. That's good news. We sang a song, I believe it was last week, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and it goes like this, the third stanza, mild, he lays his glory by. You know, the only thing that God gave up when he came to earth in the person of Jesus was his glory. He didn't give up his attributes. He didn't give up his power for Jesus to perform miracles. He didn't get up, give up his omniscience, for he knew what people were thinking. Mild, he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Jesus died so that we don't have to die spiritually. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. He came to Nicodemus, Jesus did, and said, You must be born again. Hark, the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Simeon saw that glory. He held that glory in his arms. But I want to go back to the shepherds. Not only did the shepherds see the glory, and not only did Simeon see the glory, but the shepherds decided that the whole world needs to see that same glory. They were told what to look for. They were told where to go. They were to go to Bethlehem. And there in Bethlehem they would see the Lord's Christ lying in a manger. And they saw that glory and they wanted to share it. And so in verse 16 we read, so they hurried off. Again, if you were paying attention to the children's program, the shepherds, they hurried off down the aisles and across the back and up the front. They wanted to tell others what they saw, tell others what they heard. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary, she treasured up all these things and she pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. When they came to the stable, it was quite a contrast to the glory that was blazing out in the field. They came to these humble circumstances, poor circumstances, and there they found 
Jesus. And I think it's interesting that these men, this lower class of men, were the very first to hear and the very first to go and tell. As soon as the shepherds saw Jesus, they went. And when they told others, they were amazed, it says. They were, they were filled with awe and filled with wonder at the words in which the shepherds had shared. But I think it was more than just the words they heard. I believe that the shepherds were reflecting the glory of the Jesus they saw. Remember Moses when he went up into the, the, the mountain? He went up to receive the Ten Commandments. And he drew close to God. And he comes down off that mountain. And the Bible says that his face was shining with the glory of God. You see, when you come in contact with God, the closer you get to God, the more we glow the more we shine. And Moses came back from receiving those Ten Commandments. And the Bible says his face shone. It was radiant. The glory of the Lord caused his face to shine. So much so that the Bible says that he put a veil upon his face. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 13, it says, We're not like Moses who would put a veil on his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. Moses came down off that mountain. His face was glowing. But in order for that glory not to be seen by the Israelites as it would fade away, as he was away from God now, he put a veil over his face. But 2 Corinthians goes on to say this, And we all, this is you and I, who with unveiled faces... We contemplate the Lord's glory. We are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You know what I believe? I believe that we as Christians, we are capable of literally reflecting the glory and light of God. Just as Moses. When we come in contact with God, the closer we get to God, the more our faces ought to shine. And the Bible says we ought to let our light so shine. It's not that you know, we have any light of ourselves, but it's Jesus, the Bible says, is the light. And we are these little lights. And we are to let our light so shine. In contrast with Moses, we're being transformed Paul says in 2 Corinthians, we're being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. The writer of the book of Hebrews says this, the Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory. And then we who believe, we are made partakers of that glory as we are gradually being transformed into his likeness. And as people look at us, they ought to see that glory. You know, to experience that light. But you know, it would be a mistake, I believe, for us to believe that somehow God's main focus in all of this is to affect how we look. 
It's not how we look. It's that we ought to radiate God's light. We ought to radiate that glory. When the shepherds saw Jesus, it says they had to go and spread that word. Jesus becomes our glory so that we might reflect his light and his glory. The Bible says you are the light of the world. You, Christians, we who have seen his glory, we, have we who have experienced his salvation, we have experienced that glory, and we have been transformed into that glory. And the Bible says we are to let our light so shine before men that they might see our good works, and then they in turn glorify and praise God. You see, this is good news that we're not to keep to ourselves. This is good news that the angels shared with the shepherds. This is good news that the shepherds, they had to go and share with someone else. And the challenge for us this morning, this Christmas season, is don't keep that good news to yourself. But be the light of the world. Be the light of the world. And let your light so shine among men that they might see your good works and they in turn might praise and glorify God. I'm going to close in prayer and the choir is going to come as I'm praying and they're going to close and dismiss us uh, with a number that I know you'll enjoy that will lift your spirits into the very presence of heaven. Father, this morning I thank you so much for our time. I thank you, Father, for the fact that you, God, have stepped down out of heaven and you have come into our world. We're thankful for the salvation which is ours through Jesus Christ alone. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. And I pray if there's someone here this morning who has never stepped from darkness to light that Lord, a seed might have been planted in their hearts to recognize that, Father, we, we are in need of salvation. We are lost. The wages of sin is death. But, Father, the gift of God is eternal life, which comes to us only through Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I pray that what was said, the songs that were sung this morning, that, Father, all of these things you might you might take, and the Spirit of God might apply it to our hearts. And Father, you might draw us to yourself. Help us to see that glory and share that with the world. We are so thankful, Lord, for the time you've given us this day. What a special day it is, Father, to once again be able to read about Jesus. And we thank you for him and all that he's done for us. And in his name we pray, amen.
Let's all stand together. Let's stand together. Father, we are thankful that you, Lord, have come to us. You have given us peace. You've given us joy. And you've given us salvation. And Father, we glorify and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Merry Christmas. You are dismissed. <laughs>